the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I have a real treat for you today. Uh, I have two people as guests who are going to give you their perspectives on um, sort of one of the best-kept secrets in a way <laughs> um, that there is, this best-kept secret for world peace. And um, my guest is, one, one of my guests is Sheer El Cohn. He is a student. Um, he is now a freshman in college at the Maharishi School in Iowa, the Maharishi School of the Age of Enlightenment. He's been going to middle school and high school there. He's been there for the past eight years and studying uh, essentially what some of these um, studies are that are uh, that have been shown to bring about uh, peace in the environment as well as inner peace. And uh, also from... Um, so. Uh, so Shirelle, we're speaking to Shirelle in Iowa, which is where the school is, and also um, from the Netherlands, we're speaking to Dr. Robert Keith Wallace, who is the author of a new book. It is called Victory Before War, Preventing Terrorism Through the Vedic Peace Technologies of His Holiness Maharishi Mahash Yogi. And... Uh, the, uh, that's why I was saying it's one of the best secrets because Dr. Wallace has been doing research on transcendental meditation and some of the uh, other newer studies, well, but since the 1970s and showing in all different ways how these things actually um, do bring about inner peace and can bring about world peace. And I guess, um, I, I guess... <laughs> You know, one has to ask, since um, this has been going on since at least the 1970s, uh, <laughs> the world certainly needs to hear the message now louder than, than ever as we're sort of going down the tubes rather rapidly. Um, which one of you would like to start first? Well, actually, why don't I start uh, with Dr. Wallace first because, because you would have... Um, joined the Maharishi earlier. So let's start with your story and how you got involved with this whole TM movement. Well, I actually started uh, Transcendental Meditation in 1964. Mm. I was a student at UCLA, and I needed help, seriously. Uh, and I, you know, I was a good student, a physics student and so forth, but when I started meditation, it made a dramatic difference. I noticed uh, improvements. My brother... Um, actually had gone to India and met Maharishi in India. And when he came back, he talked to me about it. And we uh, together sort of started the student movement at that time in the United States. And I went on to finish my um, 
physics degree at UCLA, and then I got a Ph.D., and my research thesis was on the physiological effects of the transcendental meditation technique, which I was able to publish in science, and later I was at Harvard Medical School, and I published the research uh, in uh, a lot of American Journal of Physiology and Scientific America. A lot of different articles came out on it. So, um, But, you know, definitely progress has been made. I mean, over the past... Uh, 35 years, it takes, I remember when I first gave my first lecture at Harvard, I, I you know, my mm-hmm. professor said, look, at, nobody believes in the stress here. They believe stress is good for you, you know. Mm. So you've got to, you've got to, you know, something to tell them. So I gave those studies, and since then, um, I was mentioning to you earlier that we have some $20 million from the National Institutes of Health. So obviously somebody's taken notice of it. The national government's not going to give out $20 million. Well, it's Yes, I actually didn't mean, I guess, I didn't mean that nobody, (laughs) certainly most people have heard of Transcendental Meditation. I guess what I meant, though, is... No, you're totally right. I mean, what you said was absolutely 100% right. And what's interesting is that people have accepted it as a technique for reducing high blood pressure and have really missed the real thing that Marishi has been trying to bring out all these years, and that is, here's an incredible, powerful technology that can really create peace in the world. and But it, to actually present that to the world is a little hard because everybody can understand, mm, I meditate, I can lower my blood pressure. That you know, Now we have all the physiological mechanisms, we can explain it. It's within the paradigm. But if you tell people, look, if you get a group of people meditating together, they'll create a wave of peace, a wave of coherence in the collective consciousness and that will reduce these tendencies for violence. Now you're breaking the paradigm. It's a much harder idea to put across. And we've done, you know, like 40 or 50 really quite interesting and, and well statistically and, and, and uh, scientifically well-designed studies. But as you, as you rightly said, it's a very well-kept secret because people, they can believe it can reduce blood pressure, but they won't believe that it'll create peace in the world. Yes, well, yeah, I can see it's it's a two-step process, and I guess many little steps in between. But, yes, you're right. I think people, there is an acceptance of um, transcendental meditation as a stress reliever and, and uh, something that will not only help psychologically but will certainly help physically blood pressure, and I'm sure you can tell us about some other um, physiological and, and um, aspects in ways that it helps the body um, by relieving stress. But, yes, I guess when you start thinking about 100 people practicing TM and somehow that creating waves into the um, outside neighborhood that's going to do anything, that's when people, I guess, look at you with raised eyebrows. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's interesting because it's actually an old concept. If you go back into any culture you find that, or any religion, you find that there was this notion if you had a group of people that were engaged in some deep meditative actions, they would kind of create some uh, invincible armor for the area. I mean, in Japan, they they clearly had it. In in Thailand, particularly the countries in the east, but even you see in, you know, you go to uh, Assisi in Italy, and you see that, you know, St. Francis had this idea that groups of people meditating would protect the area. Um, but we've kind of lost the power of meditation. Many of these techniques became watered down, and they really lost their potency. And so what's unique today 
is that we're starting to have a scientific way to evaluate these techniques, so now we can see which ones are most effective. And uh, two, you know, it's taken out of a religious context. Now it's seen as something that's not religious, but which is a technology. And that's the most interesting part about it, but still, you are bucking, just as you said, you have to take a lot of small steps. So the fact that people have accepted that it reduces blood pressure, I mean, that's good. At least, you know, yoga and all these things are very popular now. So the whole world has changed over these last few years. So maybe it's just a little more education to remind people that this actually was a technology that's been used for, you know, thousands of years and that when we think about consciousness, we can't think about it just as an individual phenomenon, but we have to look at the collective consciousness. We're all interconnected. And if people are violating natural law, if they're stressed, if they're unhappy, I mean, you walk into somebody's house, and if if they're unhappy, Mm. you can sense it right Mm. away. So we kind of all know it intuitively, but we just haven't seen the research. And we actually have published in some very top journals, one uh, a top journal well, at wait, Yale. Before you go into that, and I do, I will want yeah. you to talk about some of the studies, okay. but sure. um, going to something that you were saying about how really um, there were earlier civilizations right. that uh, were practicing this. Now, how, um, how does this differ other than, I mean, is there any other difference other than the fact that this is more secular? Um, you know, there are studies coming out Showing uh, that talking about the power of prayer, like if someone is right, ill right, right, and you yeah. get a whole congregation of a church or a synagogue right. to pray for that person, and lo and behold, yeah. um, you know, studies have shown, and certainly anecdotal evidence has shown that that these people get better. I mean, not a hundred percent of the time, but uh, enough times where it's not coincidence. Right. No, you're right. So, how that... is it similar and different from that? Well, it's it's similar in that that it's using a mental phenomenon. It's different in that it's if you look at it from a scientific perspective, it's much more powerful. Uh, it just these other techniques are very interesting and they definitely have their effects. But um, this technique, for whatever reason, and it's been you know been there for many many years. If you look at it scientifically from, you know, looking at the brainwave activity, looking at the physiological activity, uh, I, when I first did my studies, I was comparing it with Zen meditators. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really love Japan. I love the, the whole tradition, and they certainly uh, used it. They had, you know, Kyoto had 1,500 monasteries at one time, people all meditating. But uh, when I compared, I found that these people that had been doing it for 20 or 30 years, they definitely had very interesting effects. They had the, you know, the alpha waves, and they had the reduction in metabolism. But the me- uh, TM meditators could do that uh, as beginners. So somehow the technique was a little more effective, a little more efficient, and that's the main difference, you know, is that it's just a question of, of looking at it from a scientific angle and finding out what's, more effective at at creating these effects. Huh. Yes, maybe we can... Um, I, I guess that that's one part of it that maybe you should uh, explain a little bit more about the different types, the transcendental, and how that's different from, from uh, some of these other types. And why don't we, when we come back, we can speak to uh, a student of uh, this university and uh, hear his perspective on uh, what Dr. Wallace has said so far. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
We're talking today about Transcendental Meditation, the Maharishi, and World Peace. So stay tuned. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors. Cried the second. I hope it has the bathroom. Cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadylocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. Expand love and light in the universe. Tune into Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True with Iris Jackson every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Each week, Iris and her guests empower, encourage, affirm, acknowledge, and remind us of who we really are, providing tools and processes to fulfill our destiny passionately, victoriously, and joyously. Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True is under the guidance and direction of our beloved I Am Presence, the seven mighty Elohim, the ascended masters, and the legions of light, and is given with fervent and heartfelt wishes that all of your dreams come true and are a thousand times more wonderful than you ever dreamed possible. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Cash. That was a surprise, new music, okay? <laughs> um, we're talking today about transcendental meditation, about the uh, world's best-kept secret for world peace, and uh, we were talking actually with the author of a new book, Victory Before War, Preventing Terrorism Through the Vedic Peace Technologies of His Holiness, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And that was Dr. Robert Keith Wallace. And we're now going to be um, talking with Sheer L. Cohn, who has been a student for eight years at the schools in the middle school, the high school, and now the college uh, in Iowa of the Maharishi, the, the middle school and... Um, and uh, high school was Maharishi School of the Age of Enlightenment, and the university is um, the Maharishi University of Management. So 
So <laughs> you're going up through the ranks, and um, I understand that you actually came here from Israel, came to America specifically to attend this university, or well, well, actually to start out in the middle school. Yes, that's right. I moved here with my parents, actually, when I was 11 years old, and I've been practicing TM since I was 10, and the reason that we decided to take this big step and come to the United States was because education in Israel just wasn't living up to our expectations, and we, my parents have been teachers of Marshi's Transcendental Meditation, and they knew about the school here, and they knew about the university here, and they they knew that that would be the best education they could give to their child and I was also not very happy with education in Israel and wanted to have consciousness based education is what what the education system is here which is pretty much regular education you would have at any school except for that it incorporates transcendental meditation and Maharshi's teachings into the curriculum so all of the other subjects are um, sort of normal subjects that you would have at the various grades. And tell us about the additional subjects. Um, well, the additional subjects are the science of creative intelligence mostly, which is how, which is pretty much the science of, of yourself, of how everything is the expression of yourself and how um, the unified field of all the laws of nature, which is what we access in the practice of TM, how that is the fundamental basis to all the disciplines which you learn throughout the day and that is the source for creating that coherence that is where the coherence that is where everything comes from and that's where the coherence you can pick up and then you know generate and you know spread it out and that's how the that's how the peace technologies work <laughs> in 25 words or less, okay. I, mean, I got that. <laughs> um, I could, I could, could, you, could you uh, describe that in a little more detail? Yeah, well, pretty much the idea is that everything comes from a unified field, which is, and through physics it is very easy to, to understand. You have the uh, electromagnetic field, the strong and weak fields, and the gravitational field, and at each finer and finer levels of their expression, you can see how they become more and more unified and eventually leading to the fundamental basis, the unified field. And that is a field of consciousness, which when one practices transcendental meditation, you take your awareness within and reach that state. And from that state, that is, that's, that's a state of, of pure consciousness, of, of coherence, where where from uh, any any negativities can just be melted, can just be eliminated. And Dr. Wallace, if you'd like to jump in here and <laughs> yeah, please do and add something he, to it. Yeah, I think he did a great job. I mean, I think it, it's 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 a very ancient idea. It's the idea, you know, that really there is some source of being, some source of. Of, of orderliness that pervades the whole universe, and we're very fortunate. We live at this time in science now that that Einstein's dream of locating a unified field has been uncovered. If you look at the latest theories of modern physics, the superstring theory, it really does identify this incredibly perfect, unmanifest source of everything. And we really see that all all of creation just arises from this one unified field, and all of the th- theories have kind of now come together on this. 
So what Marshy does is he takes it one step further. He says, well, it's not only a field which is the source of matter and energy, but it's also a source of consciousness. This is a huge step, but it's a, you know, it's the step which every great philosopher, every great tradition has tried to come to, and that is, what's the basis of matter and mind? Is there a common source? And all these ancient traditions have had this. Yes, there is a common source. And so Marshi explains that that's really what transcendental meditation is all it's about. You know, it's about you doing this mental technique, and when you do this mental technique, you experience sort of quieter and quieter levels of the mind. It's sort of like the mind's a big ocean. And you go start on the top where the mind is conscious, and then you gradually go subtler and subtler and subtler, and finally you experience this source of thought, this quietest level of the mind. And as Giselle said, that's exactly the same level that the physicists are talking about. It's this unified level of life. So on that level, when you have some impulse there, when you have some, when you stir that level, you create this wave of coherence. And again, we have to think beyond the current paradigm. We know we have electromagnetic waves. When we have a TV station, it's broadcasting some electromagnetic signal. We can't see it. But yet we know there are these fields. So what Marshy explains is, and this again is a very ancient idea, which we're now beginning to understand, is that there's a field of consciousness. And this field of consciousness is the same as, as this unified field. These two are the same. It's like these quantum mechanical fields that are, that, are, that, that, are, that are invisible. We can't see them, but they take all these different things like television and radio and project them out. And Marshy says consciousness has exactly the same phenomenon. It's not just something individual to each of us, but there's a collective field. And when you stir this deepest level through meditation, then you create these waves of coherence. And they have this marvelous effect of really waking everybody up. So you can have a group of 100 people in one place meditating. They don't have to talk to anybody. They don't have to go out and campaign. They don't have to convert people. Everybody can do what they want. This group just meditating on its own, stirring this unified field of consciousness, creates these waves of coherence, and then that has the effect of removing negativity in other people's minds. So you're stimulating this collective field that we all share. And, you know, like you were saying, terrorism, you know, when, when 9-11 came up, I mean, what it did is it created fear. I mean, everybody was afraid. People that were far away were afraid. It was just huge fear that went out into the wave of collective yes. consciousness. Well, and, you know, fear, I, yes. I, I can see why you're writing a book. I can see why you're concerned, because everybody is affected by that horrible fear. But the same thing is, how do we counter it? Well, the way to counter it is to create coherence in the collective consciousness so that it's not possible for that negativity to thrive in it. And it's like having a home where you have people that are very together and they're very very nurturing and very supportive. It creates an atmosphere where the negativity can't creep in. There's kind of a bond in the family that 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 creates an armor around that family and 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 helps protect everybody. And this is like really such an important discovery of science that there is this field of collective consciousness that you can stimulate it and that you can use it as a technology of peace. It's it's such a huge breakthrough really. You know, maybe, um, of course, as a psychiatrist, I'm <laughs> analyzing um, <laughs> everything. But, you know, analyzing, like, why it might be um, 
what what might be helpful to make it easier for people to sort of digest this? Yeah. And maybe part of it is um, some of the, like if, if someone, you know, didn't take more than a high school physics class, if that, um, you know, maybe some of the, the, uh, the explanation, um, maybe it kind of needs to be, there needs to be sort of another frame of reference in a way. Uh, I mean, I, I, like, for example, when you were talking about the television set, that made it much clearer, you know. Right. <laughs> and I took physics in medical school. <laughs> no, no. And, I mean, there's a handful of people in the world that understand <laughs> these latest theories, you know. It's, it, you know, and they're... They speak among themselves in a language that nobody can understand. <laughs> okay, that makes me feel better. But you know, maybe also this idea of technology. You know, that's. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it, it makes it a little easier when you explain it in the way that you did, and perhaps even at, a, at another level, um, which kind of makes it more familiar to us, like what you were talking about with the families. Right. I think bringing it, bringing it to a more um, familiar kind of. Um, way of looking at it makes it easier to sort of understand the principles. Um, it, it is an education problem. I mean, you're absolutely right, and there are ways of presenting it that are much easier. The thing is, you want to bring out the physics, and you want to bring that out because you want to also appeal to people who are very sophisticated and are making these decisions, and you want them to be aware that there is really good research yes. and it's been done. But I completely agree with you. For the for just the everyday person, it goes way beyond them. So it's yes. kind of like you have to do both at the same time. On the one hand, you have to bring out these all the scientific research, even though you know you're only going to communicate with a small group of people. Right. And then you have to try to translate it for everybody else and make it palatable so everybody will enjoy it and, and you know, it becomes common sense, not some, not some very difficult thing to understand. Right, so that it seems like something that we could incorporate into our life uh, twice a day. Yeah. But yes, I see what you're saying because on the, you know, you have... Two different um, kinds of people. One who's, like you were talking about when you spoke at Harvard, you know, one group of people who are questioning whether this is just some uh, something left over from hippie days. Right. No, you're right. It's exactly right. Um, and it doesn't really have any scientific basis. And obviously, showing that there is a, a basis in, in your statistical studies and in physics and all of that is necessary to be able to get support from them. And then at the same time, in order to get more people actually practicing it. It's sort of a whole other language um, of, of trying to make it something that we can, you know, do right after we eat breakfast. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, what happens the best is like a celebrity like David Lynch, he comes out and he says something on it. Everybody listens. It's, it's mm -hmm. interesting how the psychology works like that. Well, when we come back, we will talk more about this, obviously, uh, this really, you know, it also comes at a, at a particularly um, interesting time that we're talking about this, uh, as I find serendipity does, actually, for my shows. But, you know, this is a, I don't know if you've heard about this in the Netherlands, probably you have, I guess it's on CNN, um, about how the United States is thinking of uh, giving our port security over to an Arab nation. I mean, the whole world has definitely, well, not the whole world, but at least the government has definitely gone nuts. Yeah. Um, that's my diagnosis. And, and <laughs> you know, obviously... Can we quote um, you on that? Yeah, right. And obviously, um, there needs to be 
you know, there seems to, I have a feeling of urgency about all of yeah. this. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, that we you're need to have right. these alternative solutions um, sooner rather than later before people continue to make really bad mistakes. Yeah. So <laughs> when we come back, we'll be talking more about this, Transcendental Meditation, the Maharishi, uh, World Peace, with my guest, Shirelle Cohn, and the author of Victory Before War, Dr. Robert Keith Wallace. So stay tuned. Connecting your world. The Internet's number one talk and information station. VoiceAmerica.com Hello, this is Rory Goray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, Lake Bell from Surface joins us to tell us about the show, and TV0013, our resident stormtrooper, joins us in studio to help us talk about the sci-fi that's happened this week. That's this week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo. A significant portion of your federal budget is spent on national security, economic aid, international development, and the war in Iraq. But what do you receive in return for that investment? That question and many more will be answered when you join Diane Cromer for World Views and Local Perspectives every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Diane will talk with you about a range of international issues and inform you on how and why these issues have a direct impact on the lives of all Americans. So tune in every Thursday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for World Views and Local Perspectives with Diane Cromer right here on Voice America, America's Voice. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at one 866 472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about Transcendental Meditation, the Maharishi Yogi, and uh, World Peace. And um, before I ask Shirel Cohn to talk about what it's like to be a student in the Maharishi School uh, schools. He's been going for eight years now in university uh, in Iowa. Uh, I, I just want to quickly mention, in case 
uh, you didn't know what I was talking about <laughs> um, to my listeners because it might not have gotten around the world yet. Um, but the latest news in the United States is that um, the apparently the president and the vice president in one of their uh, latest moves uh, undoubtedly has, having something to do with gaining wealth for them um, or some other kind of um, something that we don't know about yet, um, has have decided to give over the security function of six, I think it was, of our main ports, including the New York, New Jersey port, to a company that um, is in an Arab country. Um, <laughs> I mean, we might as well just uh, we might as well just give it to Osama and you know, save the trouble. It's really pretty ridiculous. And if, if this is the first time that that any of you are hearing about this, I really would urge you to contact your congressman about this. Obviously, there's a lot of protest, and uh, there needs to be a lot more. This is the most. I, I mean, it really does. Kidding aside, it really does make me more concerned, not just about greed and things like that, um, and oil and, and issues like that, but whether people have really, um, the president and the vice president, whoever was involved in this, have really uh, gone over the edge because this just seems, it, it just seems surreal. So let's get back to something that's a little more real. Um, Shirelle, tell us about what, if I walked onto the campus of your um, schools, the the Maharishi School of the Age of Enlightenment and the University. Uh, how would I know that that it was different from any other school in the United States? Well, if you just step on campus and look around, it would look like any other university anywhere in the United States. But if you were to interact with the people and to talk to the people, you would find out very quickly that everyone is much more friendly and open and willing to pour out their hearts and just. You know, because everyone practices transcendental meditation, and among the many benefits of transcendental meditation is improved well-being and improved confidence, and people are just more willing to to be friends, to become friends. And the Maharshi School of the Age of Enlightenment is, you know, it's just like any other school, except um, it is very well uh, regarded, I suppose. As, uh, it's, it's very successful academically and also in extracurricular activities and athletic events. Hmm. But it's not, it's not like a, a school that only accepts only certain people. It's open to anyone. And the, the fact is just through the practice of transcendental meditation and the implementation of Maharshi's techniques into the curriculum, students just become brighter and more successful. And, you know, they just, they're just able to be better people, to become better citizens, and yes, I, I've um, I understand that in recent years, the uh, high school has graduated ten times the national average of national merit scholars, and there's also something called the Odyssey of the Mind and Destination Imagination, which is a creativity competition. Yes, and um, that the Maharishi School has won more state championships than any other. School in Iowa and also in the university the university has won um, has gotten has rated in the top 3% and top 4% in the national survey of student engagement regarding um, how active and collaborative 
the learning is and also how enriched the educational experiences are. How many students are there? Um, the university, there are several hundred students, and I'm not sure how many students are currently at the it's school. Yeah, it's about 500 at both. Eddie, I mean, uh -huh. 500 in, in the university and 500 in the school somewhere. Right. Yeah. And is it people from all over the world? or Mostly people from the United States, but there are cases like myself of people who have traveled great distances and moved their families here or came here on, on their own. This is the in the school, I mean. At the university, is probably about half and half. I mean, there's many, many international students from all over the world who have heard about this or have been somehow affiliated with the university and definitely appreciate the values and recognize that it's worth traveling and worth coming here. And what are you majoring in in university? I'm actually majoring in Maharshi Vedic Science, which is the science behind the peace-creating technologies and pretty much the science behind the book, Victory Before War. It's, it's a new discipline which has its roots in ancient Vedic traditions, and at this university is probably the, the highlight. It's of the crop. And um, do you, what do you plan to do when you finish? Um, I haven't I haven't decided yet, but the idea is that this isn't necessarily job-oriented education, but it's just education which will enable me to be able to approach any any job in any field and just have because of the fact that I myself will be more coherent within within myself and be able to, you know, reap all the benefits of, of life, and through that I will be able to approach any situation and any problem with confidence, and, you know, I can, this is, I'm just uh, an undergraduate student right now, I might uh, decide to take on a different uh, major later on, but... Well, it just seems that it would be... Um one way of spreading the message would be for people who are graduated from the university to become teachers all over the world. Right. I, yeah, I also, I'm also very uh, attracted to Maharshi's teachings and have already been, you know, sharing it with friends and sharing it with family who aren't meditators, don't practice this technique. And I do enjoy spreading the word, and that's why also I by practicing yogic flying and by demonstrating and participating in yogic flying competitions and demonstrations, I'm able to spread the word. Oh, I mentioned yogic flying. I probably yes, should tell us about describe what that. that. So yogic flying is a more advanced technique of transcendental meditation, which um, outwardly the, the person who practices it appears to be flying, literally. It's the first stages of yogic flying are or hopping, and the spillover effect of this of this technique is the, is the spreading of coherence and of of peace and uh, reduction of problems and reduction of collective stress in the collective consciousness of the nation or the world. And the reason that it is so is because through the practice of yogic flying, one uh, purifies his awareness and allows the mind to be at such a subtle state of thought where any desire is instantly fulfilled, thus the desire to fly the body starts to fulfill that desire instantaneously, and because we're working at such a fine level of, of, 
creation at such a deep level of thought, then that level can uh, can spread, or from from that level, the coherence can just spill over and travel. You know, just like electricity might travel through the electromagnetic field, uh, this or a radio signal, this coherence travels through the unified field, which is everywhere and all pervading. So, do you mean when you do these de- these demonstrations? I, I and not only do I mean I do this every day, twice a day, for my own benefit because it's so enjoyable and it creates such such great benefits in the daily in the daily individual's life. Yeah. But it also every time I practice it every day, it does that. And practicing in groups is even more powerful because the group, you know, just like constructive interference of of waves when individuals are at the same place at the same time practicing the same technique the waves generated the waves of coherence generated by each individual constructively interfere and spread out and create create peace literally okay but now what do people see when they would watch the demonstrations you said hopping do people see the, you sit cross-legged and uh what you would see is the body rises, and for a split second it stays up in the air, and then gravity takes over and the body falls back down. But at later stages of yogic flying, hovering is mastered and eventually the ability to fly through space. Well, that'll um, solve the problem with the airline. <laughs> <laughs> we won't have to worry about terrorists taking over airlines. <laughs> oh, oh, God, time is going. Can, can you make, uh, both of you, can't you create time to, to go a little more slowly here? <laughs> oh, maybe when we come back you can... Um, Tell us more about, like, if someone didn't know uh, kind of a beginning, a beginner's course in TM and Transcendental Meditation. And, of course, then we'll find out uh, about where to go to, um, to find out more about it. You can tell us more about that. But, but um, just if someone's sitting there scratching their head and saying, well, this sounds interesting, but uh, exactly what do you do, you know? Okay, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about transcendental meditation and the promise that it holds for world peace. So stay tuned. Information you need, when you need it. VoiceAmerica.com Join Laura Mills Alcott on Much Ado About Books for lively interviews with romance, mystery, mainstream, and nonfiction authors. Ranging from the New York Times best-selling authors you know and love to new authors you won't want to miss. Keep up to date with the latest releases and book news. Get book recommendations from our guest reviewers and read our book club selections. Our special topic shows feature a wide variety of experts. And don't miss our surprise guest feature. All this and more on Laura Mills Alcott's Much Ado About Books, Book Talk Radio. Every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, right here on Voice America. West Coast Business Review and host Amy Campbell presents Show Me the Business. Each week, you'll hear exciting guests give you vital information on advancing your business and career. Learn how others have built their empires, from best-selling authors to renowned entertainers. Listen every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific Time on VoiceAmericaRadio.com. 
visit our website at www.westcoastbusinessreview.com. West Coast Business Reviews, show me the business, connecting you to the business world. World-renowned cosmetic surgeon and scientist, Dr. Andrew G. Berman, hosts Beauty in America, broadcasting every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. What is beauty? How is it viewed in a cross-cultural context? And what is the role of plastic surgery in society, careers, and life? Expert guests join Dr. Berman to discuss historic and current concepts of beauty and plastic surgery, as well as trends, advances, and gimmicks. Beauty in America with Dr. Andrew G. Berman finds out what is real and what is hype right here on the Voice America channel, Fridays at 2 p.m. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guests today are um, presenting a uh, the promise for world peace that actually has been generated originally by the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. I, I know I'm not pronouncing it exactly the way you people are. Um, he is he is 89 approximately now. He's living in the Netherlands in uh, um, in a well, may, why don't you actually, since you're in the Netherlands right now, and I presume you're at his compound, is that I am, right? I am, I am. What is that like? It's very nice. It's really extraordinary. I mean, I've uh, been with Marishi for probably the last, let's see, since 1964, so that's getting on 40 years there. And I've watched, you know, uh, Marishi talk with all the, some of the top Nobel Prize winners in the world. I've traveled with him around the world where he's met, you know, heads of states. Uh, I've been with him when he's been with great artists, great musicians, you know. Yes, all the, the Beatles, sure, sure. for example, yeah. And, and you know, it's been a, an incredible experience. The thing that's the most profound part of this whole thing is Marshy himself. I mean, that he's yeah. he is a man of great integrity. He's a man of great vision. And he just has one idea and one concept and that is get people to meditate and he just for 50 years he's been doing it and he really is an extraordinary individual he hardly sleeps at all he just has uh, an, ex- an unbelievable amount of energy um, you know I-, I remember years ago uh, him meeting Buckminster Fuller back in the 1970s and Buckminster Fuller just loved Marshy and it's almost universal that you know top people meet him where there are movie stars like Clint Eastwood or, you know, David Lynch or anybody else, people just adore Marshy because he's so true. He's, he, he just has this one concept. If you meditate, it will improve your life. It's just a simple idea. The meditation itself, Marshy has made it so simple. That's the thing that distinguishes Marshy from anybody else. It doesn't involve concentration. It doesn't involve contemplation. It doesn't involve changing your lifestyle, doing this or that. It's just simply taking a few minutes in the morning and the evening to do this very simple mental technique, which literally works by itself. Once you know how to do it properly, it takes over by itself, and it's incredibly enjoyable, and the mind just naturally finds that it's going to deeper levels, and you have some thoughts, and then you go deeper again. 
And then, you know, my interest has been in the physiology. You look at the physiology, the whole body goes into a very deep state of rest and relaxation. The brainwave activity shows the mind is quite alert, quite awake, and you get this coherence in brainwave functioning. And I know I can't get too scientific here, but, I mean, you look at all the latest research on the brain, and everybody is saying it's this kind of networking of different parts of the brain where you get synchrony and coherence. That's where you get real cognition. That's where you get the real sort of creativity. And that's exactly what happens in meditation, and the research has shown it, is you get this increase in coherence, this increase in integration between the different parts of the brain. So it's really a technology of life. It's a technology of how to improve your physiology. If you improve the brain, everything gets better. Well, and how do you suggest that people learn this? Well, it's everywhere. I mean, Transcendental Meditation has, you know, been around for a long time. Right. And uh, if you just look up TM in the phone book or look up on the Internet, um, Transcendental Meditation is, uh, you know, there's centers in almost every center. It takes about... Uh, seven days to learn. It's really only like three days of just lectures and then uh, basically, well, maybe like four days of lectures and then three days of actually learning with some little, maybe an hour each day. It's really simple. And so it doesn't take a lot of time. You can learn it, you know, everybody from sports to movie stars to business people to, you know, mine workers, everybody can learn TM. It doesn't require any degree in physics it's uh, it's just one of the simplest things you can do, and yet it has one of the most profound effects on your physiology. And as I said, here's the National Institutes of Health that poured $20 million into these studies. They've been published in all the best journals. And they, just on the most mundane level, they show that it's very healthy. It really helps your health in many, many different areas. And then you've got this wonderful side benefit, which, you know, takes a little bit of learning to, to understand the concepts, but... Each time you practice meditation, you're creating this sort of wave of peace in the world. And as you learn the more advanced techniques, you know, particularly yoga flying, you can have even a more powerful effect on the world. So okay, both for yourself and the world, it's quite a marvelous experience. But now, um, how would someone know, though, what is the real thing and versus just somebody setting up shop and saying, I'm going to teach TM? Well, you know, that's... You know, that's you're absolutely right, and you'd want to go to a teacher that's been certified by Marshi and that's part of Marshi's organization. You know, and how can we find that out? Uh, well, we can. You can find out by um, seeing, you know, whether they are a part of the Transcendental Meditation movement. You could always contact the university, Marshi University of Management in Fairfield, Iowa. It's uh, on the web, uh, mum. Uh, edu. So the edu is just education. Um, they can direct you to uh, any center uh, anywhere in the world. Um, there is kind of a worldwide organization of teachers, and it's literally in every country. So it wouldn't be hard to verify that it's a real thing. And you're absolutely right. If you go to somebody that's just trying to teach you from a book or somebody who's copied it, you know, it's like getting some an imitation or something. You don't know what you're getting. There's right. no re- reality to it. So you really do need to go to a certified teacher. Okay, but it is very, but it, but it isn't anything. It's certainly something that everyone can do, and it's not. Even though it's called technology, there's nothing really. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, it, when it's, you learn it, it's so remarkably simple. You think, oh my gosh, how could it be that simple? But that's why it works because 
all, all these other techniques like Zen and, and, and uh, different forms of yoga and so forth like that, they all have the same intention. Everybody wants this idea of getting to this sort of source of creativity, but they've kind of gotten muddled up over the years in terms of the technology or the technique itself, and they've kind of forced too much. You know, all this concentration, you know, some guy sitting behind you and slapping your back if you're not awake or something like that. It's got to be very kind of rigid. Uh, and what Marshi did is he just revived this incredibly simple way of medit- you know, meditation, which turns out to be the, the really the most effective way if you look at it from a scientific viewpoint. And uh, that's why it's so powerful is because it's so effective. And it's sad that these other techniques lost their effectiveness. They do definitely produce some results, but, you know, they it just over time, sometimes these delicate teachings can lose their effectiveness. So it's really a fortunate time that Marishi brought this back. I mean, I guess also what you're saying is that it's um, perhaps these other techniques, certainly they, they can be useful in terms of individual uh Decreasing stress for individuals, but but in terms of the vision for world peace, that the transcendental meditation is is even more valuable for that. That's true, but if even if you look at the scientific studies on blood pressure and mm. anxiety in these different areas, you really find you know you look at the studies which compare in the different techniques, you really mm. find that TM really comes out better. It's just and it's just because it is a, a simpler technique than many of these other ones. Uh huh. And just uh, could you just mention uh, about the um, the latest project of the uh, Maharishi to yeah, which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, the one about the the ten trillion dollar plan to eradicate yeah. poverty. Yeah, I mean Maharishi is really expanded. You know, he started off with a simple technique of transcendental meditation, and then he brought out all this incredible knowledge from the Vedic tradition, uh, knowledge about natural health that's in there in Ayurveda, knowledge about how to create different buildings so they're oriented the right way, that's called Stipachyavade, knowledge about Jyotish, uh, which is sort of, you know, looking at the stars and so forth, and he's brought out each branch and tried to show, you know, from a scientific angle how effective it is, and his biggest project, which has always been the same project he's always had, is to create peace in the world. So he's now trying to do it through really uh, Vedic agriculture and creating uh, Vedic organic food, pure food, and trying to go into these poor countries of the world to start big agricultural projects there and to use part of that money to finance having these groups in these countries through universities and schools so that they can have a group there that's creating this effective peace. So he's trying to remove poverty from the world and at the same time really uh, create these peace-creating groups all around the world. So one way to finance it is through this Vedic organic agriculture. And yes, and the idea being that having these uh, people practicing transcendental meditation would send out these vibrations in particularly in places where they particularly need to create peace over the violence. Absolutely. Like Africa would be a big country. And, you know, a lot of these different countries, we know that there's huge violence. And, you know, they need it. Plus, they need to be raised to a higher level of living, you know. Yes. Well, certainly the Middle East could use it. Yes, that's true. Well, um, let me give out these websites again. Um, The website to find out more about the schools, the Maharishi School of the Age of Enlightenment in Iowa, and also the Maharishi University of Management um, also in Iowa together. Uh, the website is mum.edu. 
www.mum.edu. And that's also where you can find out where there is a, um, a real <laughs> transcendental meditation uh, practitioner near you. And then let me give out also the website for the book, Victory Before War, Preventing Terrorism Through the Vedic Peace Technologies of His Holiness Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Um, and that was written by Dr. Robert Keith Wallace, who we have been listening to today. Thank you very much for joining us. And, I've and my also... co-author, Dr. J. Marcus. I yes, we can't leave him out. And uh, certainly, I think we need to have a bunch of um, planes dropping these books all over the world. That would Thank work, you. too. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then also, I'd like to... Sh- what was the uh, website you were going to mention, the website? Uh, did I not do that? No, you didn't. Victor, ah, I got so caught up in saying what it was. VictoryBeforeWar.com. Both of them right. are very easy. VictoryBeforeWar.com and mum.edu. Okay. So uh, you can go to both of those and find out more about what we've been talking about. Um, and I'd like to also thank Shirelle Cohn. I think that that was a uh, very uh, courageous Thing that you did to move here and study in this particular university, and obviously, um, you know, you. you're obviously you're getting uh, an incredible education, which, as you said, isn't just—it's not just about um, these particular subjects, but it's also about whatever you would go into. You would have the grounding, so to speak. Um, That's in, right. Yeah. In uh, TM and, and in these other related studies. Um, yoga, breathing techniques, and, and things like that. So um, I think you're really on a great path. Thank you. And uh, it would be, it, certainly it would be great if you could then uh, go around and, and teach what you've learned uh, to these other, to other places that would need to know more about this. So thank you very much. I hear the music is fading out. You've been listening <laughs> to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And uh, there, is, there is hope in the world to create peaceful solutions, um, not just war. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com.